The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Good morning, everybody. Sure happy you came here. It's so nice to preach to people. Uh, Would you look at your neighbor for a second? Just look at him and say, I'd like you to give me $100 right now if you don't mind. It's already been a great service so far. And I'm a guest speaker. So let's go and get right into it. Go to Matthew, if you would, chapter 20. I live in Gainesville, Georgia with my wife. We've been married 44 years. We have six children. They're all preachers. And travel around the world and minister and we build orphanages and uh, I speak in churches every year. This is a lot of years that I've been doing it. Um, And uh, I really appreciate the Lord blessing my family. Uh, They really like me and I appreciate that. Uh, So we live in, like I said, Gainesville, Georgia. We came from Colorado, 22 years there. And then Texas, many years there. And then Riverside, California, it's where my dad was from. And uh, so I have a little connection. I've been coming here since I was about five. So, but I like the weather and I like the cooking and hallelujah, that's amazing. So if, uh, if you are ready this morning, let's go to Matthew and verse 20. I'll begin reading there. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, Have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened and move with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and began to follow him. Let's take a moment to pray for Pastor Ray and Ms. Vicki this morning. Lord, we just lift up Pastor Ray that he will be completely restored and be strong and healthy quickly. We pray for Ms. Vicki, Lord, that she'll be in constant care by your Holy Spirit. We ask you to bless them, give them peace, give them joy, restore everything to them, God, in their body, soul, and spirit. Let the years to come be the best years, the most refreshing years, the most effective years, the most relevant years. And thank you, Lord, that you have given Pastor Ray the understanding of the seasons and of the times and that you have put eternity in his heart. And he is a gift to the world and to the body of Christ. I now pray for the explosion of his books all over the world so that people can gain the insight that he has inside of him that you have revealed to him and that you bless Jerusalem today and Israel, God, that you do signs and wonders and miracles for us today. Heal all the people that are here in some way, God. Touch them. Do something for them that they need very badly. Heal marriages today. Heal people that are casually following you, God, or even those that are distant observers. Draw them to your table today. Bless those that are in heartache. Bless those that need a miracle for their child that is not serving you. Bless the people that are here, God, who just kind of were dragged here today 
and bless them as well in some amazing way. Bless your word today and glorify your name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. So we're going to begin. Our message today is what happens when Jesus touches you. And I want to just reemphasize this morning that Jesus is a touching God, that he likes to touch us. We are his children. He likes to put his arms around us. He likes to hold us. He likes to take care of our needs. He likes to minister to us in whatever area or situation we're in. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what has happened to you. He knows what has been done to you. He is not blind and you're not invisible. God loves you and is reaching out to you today to touch you. Anytime Jesus touched somebody, something miraculous happened. As you know, many of you are here because of a miracle. Somehow God found you somewhere at some place of your life and reached out his invisible hand and touched you. You now call yourself a Christian. You now have a desire to know God, want God, love God, understand God. You read the Bible. You want to do what God wants you to do with your life. You realize you're born and you're not normal. You're not average. You're miraculous. You're priceless. You're special. You deserve to be celebrated. You deserve to be cherished. You deserve the time of God, the love of God, the nurturing of God, the mentoring of God, the deliverance of God, and the power of God. You're not a flea on a dog. You're not a worthless person full of mistakes and sorrows and griefs that are going to stay there for the rest of your life. That is not God's agenda for any of us that are here. He has a plan. It is a good plan, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do you good and not bad. I'm going to bless you. We know Deuteronomy 28. You're blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. You're blessed in the house. You're blessed in the store. You're blessed in the country. I'll bless you with blessings and they'll chase you and follow you, possess you and overcome you. You'll wake up laughing and rejoicing because the Lord has defeated your enemies. You'll stand on holy ground and bless the name of the Lord. You'll lift your hands in victory and shout to God, he has delivered me, broken up my chains and set me free. You will be kind-hearted and tender-hearted and mild and understanding. You will be personable and humble and meek. And no man and no woman will be above your service because that's who you're becoming. You will wash the feet of the unworthy. You will serve the ungrateful. You will love those that hate you. You will bless those that gossip about you and slander you. You will give money to those that are stealing from you. You will stand your ground and walk and be like Jesus all the days of your life because God will reach out his hand wherever you're at and he will touch you. He will reach to that dark place that nobody knows about. He will go to that place inside your soul that no man or woman has ever seen because you have kept it hidden. It is too hard to even reveal it. You cannot reveal that pain. It is too consuming. No one knows what happened to you when you were a child, but you know. You carry the guilt, the shame, the anger, the wrath, the rage, the unforgiveness. You know what it is. God knows. God loves you. And God will reach out his hand to you. You are important. Today, right now, in this meeting, there's no one else here but you. Take away all the rest of the people and you're left. 
You're an original. There's nobody like you ever. Those fingerprints belong only to you. You are God's masterpiece of originality. You must be set free. You must be loosed. Your chains must be broken. And Jesus does that. That's who he is to us. That's why we love him. That's why we'll serve him till we die. That's why he will save all our members of our family related to us by blood. That's why he'll chase them to their deathbed. And while they are dying, he will reach out his hand and rescue them from their deathbed in hell and deliver them and bring them into his eternal kingdom. And we will spend all of eternity with our mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and all of our children because he is known throughout the world as a good God. He is kind, he is present, and he is tangible. And until God becomes tangible, you just have religion. Your plate is full of worms covered in the Bible. They don't taste good, they don't do you any good. It's all just wrapped in the lies of religion. But that's not who we have. We have a real Jesus. He visits us when we're alone in our room. In the middle of the night when you can't sleep, he will come to you. He will speak to you. He will wrap his arms around you because that's the Jesus we have. He cares that you've been divorced. He cares that you've been rejected. He cares that you're not loved right now in your marriage. He cares that you're hurting as a child and your parents don't understand you. He knows what it's like to live two lives. He sees it. He understands it. And he's right here today to help us. What happens when Jesus touches you? That's what we're going to figure out this morning because I believe that Jesus is going to touch somebody, whoever it is of all of you that are here that want to be touched by God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Just remember anything God does is beautiful. God does not do ugly things. He only does beautiful things. Would you turn to your neighbor right now Put your hand on them if they're related to you and say, I have something to tell you. I'm believing God that you're going to lose 25 pounds right now, right here, by a miracle of God. It's going to be a sign and a wonder. Wow, you're looking skinny already. My God. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what I would be if I could shrink people? They'd be lined up to Cincinnati right here, all the way from San Diego. I like to drop about 250. All right, that's about it. Next. Jesus is a miracle worker. It is sad to have a God that cannot fix your problems. It is even sadder to not believe that he can heal your disease. It's even sadder to think that he can't fix your broken heart. It's even sadder to think that he can't fix your messed up marriage. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he will. God is here. God is present. God is not asleep. God is awake, and he's looking at you this morning, and he's asking you a question. What would you have me do for you today? What do you need? Just like any dad would ask his child, what do you want, baby? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Just like any grandparent would open their checkbook and just give it to their grandchildren. Say, do whatever you want. I can't handle you. You're like overwhelming me. You're, you're, I'm melting in your presence with compassion and love. And you're number 16. <laughs> when you love something, the flaws 
do not control you. God loves you. Your mistakes do not define you. Jesus is here if you want him to be. Otherwise, you're going to be a little hot, a little sweaty, and hope that I'm not long-winded. <laughs> but for those of you that have a need, Jesus is watching. And he's reaching out to you. There's only one Jesus that's real. There's many other Jesuses. We have the history Jesus. That's all he is. We have the Jesus that's a legend. That's all he is. We have the Jesus of religion, rituals, legalistic routines, and things that have no power and cannot change anybody or bless anything except the mind. We have the intellectual Jesus. That's all ideas. But then there is a tangible Jesus. He actually is real. You can see him and feel him and taste him and touch him, and he is like no other. Once you've met that Jesus, you're no longer available, nor are you for sale. Tell somebody next to you, hey, I'm not for sale. You see, we sell ourselves every day when we don't have Jesus. Because we're looking for Jesus in the wrong places. Jesus came to earth and he did something nobody else ever did. He touched people. None of the other Pharisees would touch anybody. As a matter of fact, if you were a prostitute and met a Pharisee, they ran from you because if they touched you, they were unclean. Imagine a God like that. If you were sick, they would pray for you long distance. But they wouldn't come near you if you had leprosy. But what did Jesus do when he saw a leper? Put his arms around the leprosy itself. And his holiness healed the leprosy. Your disease, whatever it may be, does not scare God. He is going to reach out there and heal it if you let him. Now everybody raise your hands like this. This is the universal sign for surrender. Is that not true? Also, this is a sign if your team wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> so surrender and victory. So when you lift your hands in church, what are you saying to God? I surrender and I already have the victory. So let's all lift our hands and say, I surrender and I already have the victory. Tell your neighbor that. I don't know about you, but I have victory. So we read in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 3.18, this scripture Beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're transformed from glory to glory into his image. So the evidence of God's presence is change. The way that someone knows God is actively in your life and you're actually in a relationship with God is impossible things change. What you can't do, you now can do. What you can't get rid of, you now have gotten rid of it. What is killing you stops killing you. What is dysfunctional is not working because you have met God, had a confrontation with God, and he has touched you, and transformation has taken place. That is how you know that the presence of God is active in your life, is all of the things you don't like about yourself start exiting. They just start walking out of your life. 
And all of a sudden, you used to hate your husband, and now he hasn't changed at all. But you have this overwhelming love. And you're saying, dear God, where did this come from? <laughs> He's still not changing the toilet paper in there. He's still not cleaning the toilet. He still has gas all over the, the house. Dear God, what is going on? This is a sign and a wonder that I love him. You have met Jesus, and he has touched you. This world is not going to change. And many people will not change that are in your life. And if you want to keep going crazy, that's up to you. I suggest you reach out to Jesus today and said, Lord, I want to be made clean. Would you touch me today? Would you reach out your hands and will you change me? Will you transform me? Will you get a hold of me? Will you take the rebel out of me? Will you take the liar out of me? Will you take the seducer out of me? The lustful man out of me? The lustful thing out of me? Will you cleanse my mind? Will you give me a heart on fire and on passion for you, God? Will you make the Bible come to life and put fire in the Word so they jump out on me and get on top of me and just start messing with my brain and healing my thinking and my emotion? Would you get all over my relationship? Heal my husband and my wife and my dear God, will you just get involved with stuff? These are thoughts that Christians have. Here we are in San Diego, California. What happens when Jesus touches you? We read in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 39, which will be up here. We read about the Good Samaritan. You've all heard that story many times. If you go to this church, you know the Bible. You know the Bible. A man was walking down the road, minding his own business as he fell among thieves, like some of you have fallen among thieves. Someone entered your life at some point and stole something from you they shouldn't have taken. It may never be given back to you, you think. It says they stripped that man. Many of you have been stripped of your dignity, your self-worth, your position, your honor, your value, especially women. Lots of stripping of the dignity of human beings goes on every day. Then it was, he was beaten. Well, many of you have been beaten. Somebody has taken their fist and smashed your face, kicked you around as a child, took advantage of you. Some of you have even been violated in worse ways than that. But it says Jesus came by and he looked upon them and had compassion on them. It means he felt their pain. And God today in this service, ladies and gentlemen, in this service, God feels your pain. Because if you don't get rid of your pain, your pain will make you a monster at home. It'll make you a monster to your husband, your wife, your children, and everybody around you. We are not created to carry pain. Our body cannot handle pain. We are created to carry comfort and love and assurance, and we are created to be cherished and loved in outrageous ways and in extravagant ways, but not pain. There's a good pain. It's the pain of compassion when you're moved to compassion. A little girl was sold at four years old. That's what, how old she was. When they began to sell her, her grandmother. Every day, multiple men would take advantage of her as a four-year-old until she was 12 and got pregnant. She got pregnant, didn't know she was pregnant, didn't know what was going on. Her water breaks. Uh, the lady takes her to some clinic and some uh, God 
forsaken village and they do a C-section, botched it up, taped her together or stapled her or whatever they did. And the grandmother says, get up, you have to go work in the field. And with a baby on her back, one day after a C-section, she's working in a field. The pain was so intense, she decided to commit suicide. So she walked across the road to a highway, and the road on the other side is the road to our orphanage. She stood there with her baby on her back and jumped in front of a bus. This is her story. And she felt a hand. She felt a hand push her out of the way to the other side of the road. She says, all I know is that I was standing on the other side of the road and I felt somebody push me. So I kept walking up the road. She came to our orphanage and knocked on the door. That 12-year-old graduated high school last week. She is now going to be a pediatrician. You see, God knows what side of the road you're on. God knows what's going on in your life. And God knows how much faith you have in your bondage. And he is going to break that today. It's time to come out and let God do his job. Praise the Lord. Everybody lift your hands and say, Hallelujah, dear God. Help me out today. I want to be whole. You see, if you don't let God heal you, if you don't let God fix you, then your children have to feast on those iniquities. They eat the damage you refuse to let God heal. It is imperative today that you let God touch you. What are you holding back from God? What are you hiding from God? What is it that's in your life that shouldn't be there? What has intruded, invaded? What has taken over an aspect of your life that you know is not Jesus, not God, not of God? What is it that's going on in your life that you know God cannot bless that? And you realize, wow, I really need God to touch me because I don't even have a desire to change. But what the thing in me that won't change is crushing my wife or crushing my husband or crushing my children or crushing my parents. Here, let's read to see what happens. In Luke 10, 30 through 39, you read the whole story. We find these three things in there that are miracles. One, when God approaches your wounds and heals them, your wounds become medicine. Once you are no longer wounded but were, you're now able to talk to wounded people with medicine in your voice. And when you speak to them, you speak from a place of healing and wholeness, not from a place of identifying with their wound. You actually carry a medicine in your voice called hope. We find in this story that rejection becomes our power to accept all people, all kinds of people, no matter who they are or what they've been through. This gives you the power. Once you've been rejected enough and God has healed that rejection, you are no longer going to be a rejecter. Because after all, what is Christianity but the power to love people we don't like? Anybody can love people that loves them, and some people can't love people that love them. But we are called to love people that hate us and never to allow hate to enter our heart. 
when God is ready to promote you, he will send someone to offend you. If you forgive them and love them, you'll be promoted because God promotes through the way we treat people. And if you can't love them, you got to do a retest. And that's why some of you don't have peace because there are certain people you can't forgive, you can't love. And so you're just retesting all day, every day for the rest of your life. But if you forgive and love, then you're up in the level of grace. Now grace helps you love people you could not stand before. And this brings glory to God. Don't you all want to have a life, ladies and gentlemen, that you can't take any credit for? Or do you just want a life you can get credit for? Because if you live a life so impossible that everybody's going to blame God and never even look at you, that's a good life. Come on, lift your hands and say, that's what I'm talking about. Give me a life I can't take credit for. Say that to the person next to you. Go ahead, put your hand on it. And say, I believe that God has called you to pay off my house. Come on, everybody. Let's rejoice. It is a great service. A little bit of humor. Remember that religion chokes on freedom. Religious people cannot laugh in church. They cannot enjoy anything because they're stuck in their critical brain. Is an abomination to God. A person full of love has great tolerance and great mercy. And God can use people like that. Praise the Lord. Say this out loud. Jesus is coming to me right now. Right where I'm sitting. He's going to change my life. Praise the Lord. Look at Mark 5, verses 1 through 15, the story of the demoniac. You know it well because you know the Bible. It's all up here. A demon-possessed man with 2,000 demons, separate personalities, drove him to the graveyard and made him take all his clothes off. And he ran around naked with chains on him and he would just burst the chains, screaming and yelling and then cutting himself. Because insanity always makes you do crazy things. And when Jesus touched him, he healed his insanity. And that is what happens when Jesus touches a person. Crazy leaves. Have any of you ever done crazy? Anybody ever done crazy? A word of marriage advice, never do crazy at the same time. Take turns and have a discussion. It's my turn to do crazy. I'm about to freak out. That'll help you make it through. 44 years, trust me, I speak from experience. When you have pain and God approaches that pain, that pain then becomes compassion. Because there's nothing more powerful than compassion. You cannot trust a person that does not feel your pain. Because they will usually create pain in your life. But when a person feels your pain, like you would feel the pain of your own little baby or your own little child, that feeling, that feeling you have for that baby, that feeling you have for that child, that is compassion. And if you have that for other people in your family and home, there is no way Satan can wreck your house, wreck your family, wreck your children, and wreck your future. You can clap on that. That was your last clap. Think about it. What we're void of is compassion. 
And that's what God wants to add to us. Compassion always creates miracles. So, we read in this Mark chapter 5 that when chains are broken, ministries are born. That's what happens when God touches you. He will break chains that are in your life. Addictions and afflictions and different types. Many of you that are here have been delivered from drugs and alcohol and many things in your life. If I had you stand right now, many of you would stand as a testimony of what God has done. Because God is a chain breaker. Can everybody say that together? God is a chain breaker. Tell the people next to you, I don't know about your chains, but mine are broken. Put your hands on your heart now, like this, and say this. Lord, I receive healing for all my wounds. Every wound, God, that is in this heart, heal it. Every ripping of my soul, every hurt that is inside me, that speaks out of my mouth to people when I'm offended and when I'm angry, take that out of me, God. Heal all the rejection in my life from my father, my mother, all people in my life. I forgive them today in Jesus' name. Heal my pain today, God, so that I don't speak from that pain and victimize other people with the same poison. Heal my pain right now and restore me. Fill me with compassion, God. Break every chain that is in my life because I do not submit to bondage or slavery of any kind. Take the insanity out of my life and heal the abuse that nobody knows about. Go reach deep inside me now, God. Reach to that time when I was a child and my father abused me. Reach to that time when people have verbally attacked me and broken me. Reach to those places, God. Touch me in those areas, God. Make me whole in those areas, God, because that is my destiny and my calling is to be whole. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, Así se manda, gloria a Dios. Okay, never mind. Wrong place. Sorry. We go to Matthew 26 and verse 48 and 50. We see that Judas here kisses Jesus on the cheek. He kisses Jesus on the cheek. He betrays him. And Jesus knows that he's betraying him. And this is how he responds. Friend, do what you must quickly. Jesus loved Judas. This is what gave him power to overcome the spears and daggers of a traitor. It is only love that is our breastplate. Revenge does not work. Holding grudges does not work. Holding people in debt, putting their name in our book of debt, does not free us. It only enslaves us. We actually become the slaves of the people we refuse to forgive. This is your day. This is your time right now. We didn't come to have a religious service. We didn't come to fulfill a cultural obligation. We didn't come to be here for some religious reason. We need Jesus. We need God. We really need Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. We're in a crazy time. We need Jesus. 
We need to touch Jesus, and he needs to touch us. Remember, the mask won't last forever. There's coming a touching time again, and you should be ready for it and not get used to you having to stay away from each other because that's not of God, and that's not the way the Holy Ghost is spread. The Holy Ghost is spread by touching people. Go ahead and touch your wife or your husband, whoever you're comfortable with, and say, I love you. And if you can't say, here is a, a air hug. I think that was the sign out there. An air hug. I'm air hugging you. I'm squeezing everything bad out of you right now. Do you know that according to science, women need 17 hugs a day to be emotionally secure? They can't be these either. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Get out, woman. That's your seventeen hugs. Be happy. No, you have to actually hug a person. My wife is a fake hug detector. She knows when my hug is obligatory or when my hug is sincere. It's taken me years to, okay, well, I'm not a hugger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Okay, get all the fake, all the sincere, all the plastic out. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. It's a whole event you have to go through as a man. Men get along with each other very well because we're all very shallow. We don't walk up to each other and say, how are you feeling? How are you doing emotionally? Are you getting enough nurturing and tender love? No, we don't say that to each other. What truck do you have? Ah, oh, that's an amazing truck. What gun do you carry? Oh my God. When you're betrayed, and God heals that betrayal, and you're no longer betrayable, though you are betrayed. You become loyal. Loyalty is when a man or a woman is loyal to his friends, whether they are or not. They are loyal to their husband or wife, whether they are or not. The conditional life exits, and the unconditional life takes over. Now, you cannot do these things unless God touches you because you are not actually capable of Christianity without Christ. Praise the Lord. This is the time, everybody. This is the moment. This is the hour here in San Diego, California. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say these words. Así es como Dios manda. Oh, sorry, I freaked out again. Matthew 26, 48 gives us this insight that bitterness, once healed, becomes the sweetness of your soul. You see, when you are bitter, you created a soup. And in that soup, you took all unanswered prayer that made you angry. Every time you cried out to God and said, God, please heal this child or heal this, and they didn't get healed, you threw that in that pot. Every time you doubted God and what he did or how he was or you blamed God for killing somebody or making somebody sick, you threw that in the pot. Every time you were mistreated, every time you lost a job, every time you were lied about and mistreated, you threw that in the pot. And that created bitterness. And then the bitterness became 
a marinating of unforgiveness. Bitterness, the Bible says, is like a root, and it spreads to everybody. It starts with one person, and then it begins to spread to all the people in your family until everybody is mad at everybody. We cannot tolerate bitterness for one more day. You cannot tolerate bitterness for one more day. You can't be mad all the time. You can't be angry all the time. You've got to put your foot down sooner or later, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, and you've got to decide, I am going to get healed of this bitterness. I don't care what my daddy did to me. I'm tired of living under his thumb. My father left me too. I hated that man. Till I got saved, you know that he never hugged me once and never told me he loved me once, and I hated him for it. Then he died, and I couldn't get even. So I just stewed in bitterness for years until I was 17 years old, and I was chasing a cheerleader down the road. I'm an American teenager. And I was chasing her down the road. The week before, I had caught my girlfriend with another man, another boy. So I broke into her house and beat up the young man. I was 17. She was 16. I beat up that man, and she kept saying to me, he's my cousin. They're staying with us. But I'm crazy at that time. So I took off running, screaming and yelling. I told God, if you don't do something, I'm going to kill myself in two weeks. So the next week I saw this cheerleader, I said, there's my answer. And I was chasing her down the street, pretty close, stalking. She turned around, she said, what are you doing? Do you have mental problems? I said, yes, I have mental problems. I have emotional problems. You can heal. She says, you want to talk to me? He said, oh, yeah, I want to talk to you. I love you. She pulled out a book. No cover, about this thick. Said, read that book under a tree, and I'll talk to you. I grabbed that book, found me a mesquite tree in Texas, and sat down and started reading. It opened to 1 Corinthians 13. I'd never read the Bible. By verse 5, I was saved. I wept for three hours under that tree, having all the darkness leaving my body and leaving my brain and all the hate going out of me and everything. Because God knows what you need. And he touched me. Do you know that my mother told me when I was a young boy, five and six years old, never read the Bible. Never read the Bible, she would say. Do not read the Bible because if you read the Bible, you will go insane. I said, you will? I don't, I'm not getting near a Bible. And I saw my mom with a Bible with a lock on it about this big with pearl cover. And she just hold it in church. I said, Mom, why do you have that book? Get rid of that book. It's freaking me out. Never read the Bible because you will grow your hair long. Wear blue jeans with holes. Play the guitar and talk to little green people. <laughs> Had I known it was a Bible, I would have never read it. God knows how to touch you. He knows how to reach you. He knows how to get to you. He's an expert. Do you need God to do anything for your life? Or are you already perfect? Let me see how many perfect people we have. Raise your hand, O oh ye shining ones. How many of you need Jesus? 
How many of you need God to touch your life? How many of you can't help yourself more than you already have? How many of you have impossible situations where you need God to step in and answer your prayers and do a miracle? Don't you, don't you want that from God, ladies and gentlemen? Don't you want Jesus to be that real and to reach out and get involved in your stuff? Don't you want him to turn your life upside down, kick the devil out of everything, and put everything in order and make it a blessing? I'm just asking I'm passing through. Would you hug your friend or wife or husband one more time? How many of you are married here today? Husbands, would you look at your wives and put your arm around them? Look in their eyes this whole time. I'm going to teach you a song. Look at them. Are you ready? You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Sing it to him. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. One more time. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take, move in, move in. Shine away. Give her a big kiss in front of all of us. Just kiss her right there in the face. I love you, baby. You light my fire. You turn my world upside down. Ladies, put your hand on your husband's chest so to say some real things to him. Look at it. You ready? Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. Clap your hand. Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. Whoa, 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 whoa. Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. Last verse. Send me to Hawaii, honey. Hallelujah. Send me to Hawaii, honey. Hallelujah. Send me to Hawaii, honey. You don't have to go. Whoa, whoa. Send me to Hawaii, honey. Come on, ladies, hold it out. Hallelujah. Come on, you can sing. Hallelujah. It sounds the same in every language. We go to Luke chapter 7 and verse 37 as our, my last point, all the way to verse 47. We here encounter the story of the woman with the alabaster box, a prostitute, a woman forsaken, a lonely woman, empty, heartbroken, unappreciated, used up, violated since she was a child. Damaged in every way you can damage a woman. Treated like trash. Treated in a way that you wouldn't treat a dog. Every day. Yet, she knows the reputation of Jesus. She hears about what he's like. He doesn't reject prostitutes. He casts seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. And now she follows him and is part of his group. He loves prostitutes. He loves sinners. He loves wicked people. He spends time with them. She heard these things and rushed into him past all the religious people. Threw herself at his feet. Wept there. 
with Jesus there. She already knew before she got there what she was going to get. She knew she would get mercy. She knew she would get love. She knew she would get understanding. She knew she would get compassion. But most of all, she knew she would stop the life she had. And somehow, he would give her a new one. That's where we are every day. We find from that story that our emptiness becomes intimacy with God once it's healed. That our loneliness becomes the fulfillment of our life. Where we were lonely, now we're fulfilled. The black hole of our soul is no longer black. It is full of God, full of love, full of peace, and full of joy. And if it's not, you haven't met Jesus yet. You've met the idea of Jesus. But to meet Jesus, this is what happens. We know that sexual abuse becomes inner beauty once God heals it. Because now when you as a victim of that are healed and you look at another person, a victim of that, you have inner beauty that comes out and can see the beauty buried under the mountain of abuse. And you call on that beauty. You say, I was like you. That was done to me. Now let me drag you out of that dungeon and out of that deep black hole and let me bring you out into the light and free you and liberate you. And this is who you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is what your real destiny is like. This is the real man that you are. This is the real woman that you are. When you meet Jesus, when he touches you, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what you're going to become. You will be a force to be dealt with. You will be a person that goes around and touches broken people and shattered people and lonely people and empty people. You will not be in that state forever. And we're asking God to take you out tonight or today. Put your hands on your heart. Say, Lord, I receive healing for all the betrayals of any person. I cut the cord of resentment and unforgiveness towards my betrayers. I now pour out all the bitterness and leave it here today. I will not walk home with it, drive home with it, or have it ever again in my life. I will not be a bitter person. I'll be sweet and loving and compassionate and connected and focused and emotionally present. For I am a child of God. And he loves me more than I love my children and my grandchildren. Lord, heal all abuse, physical or sexual, that has ever happened in my life. Take the helplessness out and equip me. Take all the verbal abuse out, God, and heal me and make me a person that can heal those that have been verbally abused. Deliver me, God, of all my failures and lostness. Deliver me of all loss and brokenness and brokenheartedness. Say that to God right now. I receive healing for my broken heart and for brokenness inside me that can't work right. Oh God of heaven, I'm here today to receive healing because you're my doctor and you paid the price on Calvary 2,000 years ago on that cross. You reached out from it and touched me. That's why I'm here today. I blame you for all the good things that have happened in my life. Say it out loud, I blame you for all the good things that have happened in my life. Thank you, God. 
Now, Father, pour oil on all the people right now. Just sit there and let me pray over you. Pray all, pour all the oil on the people now, God, all of them that are here. You know everything they're going through. Pour oil and wine on all their wounds right now. Spread it all over them, God, inside and outside. Heal their bodies that are sick. Heal their minds and souls. Pour your blessing on them, God. Heal those marriages that have struggled for years. They don't even sleep in the same room anymore. Take the guilt off of them. Take the condemnation. Take the accuser off of them. And let them know that every day is an opportunity for a new miracle. Let forgiveness come to those homes right now. Let it flood into the house. Let them touch each other again, God, with the hands that used to minister comfort, assurance, and love. Take all the pain that separates people like the Grand Canyon and swallow it up right now in this prayer. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.